So if you're stuck in the mud, step back, look at where you're struggling at and find ways. Don't try to fix everything maybe at once. Try to find your weakest area and, and start working for, towards fixing that and then move on to your next one and then move on to your next one. And realize that when you get it all right, it's all going to get funky again, because as you do that, you're growing, you're growing mentally, you're growing in your business. And so you're going to have to absolutely, it's, it's a never ending process. It's a never ending change. Hey, what is going on? You are listening to the Detail Spot Podcast. My name is Dustin and I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, And on this episode, we have on Justin Wise with Wise Guys Detailing out of Memphis, Tennessee. Justin's my buddy. We have a lot of fun talking and uh, we decided to do a podcast because he's got a lot of knowledge to drop and it's just a, a really good relatable episode because, you know, dealing with clients and, um, you know, getting out of this perfect world and social media, uh, me and Justin just talk all about like things that actually happen in a detailing business, things that a lot of people don't really share on social media. So overall, just a a lot of fun and a really good episode. Justin's a really cool dude and, uh, he's got a lot of stuff to share. So, uh, stay tuned for it and, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. And if you have not already and you are enjoying the episodes and the podcast all together and you're just enjoying the stuff that's coming from this channel, if you haven't already, if you can, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's going to greatly help the channel grow so we can reach other detailers and uh, so so that they can get something from it as well. And if you can, also share it to social media, share it to your stories on Instagram, Facebook, or wherever you spend most of your time. It's, it's greatly appreciated. And none of this is possible without you guys listening and tuning in every week. And I uh, just can't thank you guys enough. So let's go ahead and get into the episode with Justin and uh, just go ahead and hang out, get you a drink, get you a snack, whatever. And uh, just kick back and listen to Justin and I talk about detailing and uh, all about his business, his journey. Um, so go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into detailing, how long have you been doing it, and uh, just tell us a little bit about Wise Guys. Yeah, for sure. So uh, so I actually did detailing when I was younger. My um, uncle owned a small detailing shop here in Memphis and uh, still does actually. And so I started kind of working with him when I was 13 years old, um, just kind of as a find a way to make a little bit of money on the side, you know, and during the summer and stuff. And so that kind of got my feet wet with detailing. Um, But I watched him do it. And I thought, you know, from what he was making, the way he ran his business, I thought there's no way that I would be able to create a career out of it. It was just like, you know, I didn't. And given at that time, detail, especially mobile detailing, really wasn't that big yet. That would have been in 2002, 2003. So, I mean, obviously it's out there, but not to the same. You had your, you know, two or three big detail shops and that was it. And uh, so I never really looked into it, but I always loved working on cars growing up. You know, we always had race cars growing up and classics. So I was always around them. Uh, but I really cared more about the automotive, the mechanic side of it, the service side. Uh, so that's what I went to college for, uh, went through, um, the general motors program 
and uh, graduated through it and worked as a GM technician for 10 years um, at uh, two different dealerships. And uh, during that time, I started watching, I started kind of getting more into the detailing again, just as a little side money, just as, just as fun and uh, started, uh, you know, Instagram was really coming up. So I got on Instagram and I was, started finding people like, um, uh, or finding companies like Shine Supply and different ones out there that were uh, really killing the like social media game. Uh, just really putting out content on what it was. And at that time, I didn't know anything about paint correction. I didn't know anything about ceramic coatings. You know, I knew how to do good interior jobs and wash a car. And I'm not going to say wash a car correctly. I'm just going to say wash a car. And uh, so anyways, I started watching those guys, learning methods. Um, there's another shop here in Memphis that he was selling some towels and uh, went and talked to him. Uh, his name's Josh. He owns uh, Wet Detail here in Memphis. And um, started talking to him and different stuff. And he was like, really, he's a really good guy, really supportive. And um, so started Wise Guys Detailing. Um, that would have been like 2015, 2016, uh, while I was still at the dealership. And um, I was getting to a point with that job that I did not enjoy my job anymore. I was just really unhappy. Uh, I was in a, uh, a commission position and then salary. And uh, I, I just I really didn't enjoy my job. And so I started doing the detailing on the job, bought a little uh, 2000, man, it was like a 2001 GMC big white van, like every most detailer started with them and uh, rigged it out with a 150 gallon water tank and started just kind of detailing on the weekends when I wasn't working. Uh, well, then through following through Instagram, I ended up finding uh, in Chase Tubs at Insane Paint Auto Detailing in uh, Pelham, Alabama, and they had uh, the Shine Showdown, which was where a bunch of guys got together. So I talked to my wife and uh, I said, you know, listen, this is something I really want to, I really want to go to and, um, you know, kind of learn a little bit at. And we had just had our daughter two and a half months before this. And so my job already knew I had kind of started detailing on the side and I kind of had, I don't know, you, you kind of feel like when you're getting a side eye, like, why are you doing work on the side? Why, even though it was totally different from what I was doing. So I left and I went to Insane Paint and uh, went through Shine Showdown, absolutely fired up when I came back. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is something I can do. So I was going to start, you know, establishing, establishing some uh, um, ideas on how I was going to work myself out of the job I was in and start my job full time. Well, I literally walked in back into work. I got back in town on Sunday, walked into work on Monday. And they pulled me into the office and said, hey, we need you to go back to a, a, a commission position. And I knew I was like, salary was bad enough. I did not want to go back to the commission. And I said, OK, you know, just kind of played it out, went home, talked to my wife at lunchtime, came back at the end of the day after lunch and talked to him. I said, listen, I, I don't want to go back to 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 uh, to that commission position. And he's like, this is all we got for you. Is that or nothing? I said, okay. I said, I understand. Let me consider this my two weeks notice. And he says, nope, pack up your toolbox. 
tomorrow morning, you're gone. That was like, holy, and this was after six and a half years with this business. And so I went from, you know, basically just doing this part-time, doing this, what I knew for 10 years was working on cars to coming back from insane paint and losing my job the next day. And uh, so that was the kick in the butt that I was not prepared for in any way, shape or form. Um, so I, I said, okay, packed up my toolbox. And as I was packing up my toolbox, I got a random call from somebody. It was, it was, wasn't a random call to somebody that knew my wife and just out of the blue, she said, Hey, I heard you do detailing. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, uh, when would, uh, your next opening be? Of course, this was, uh, Tuesday. I was loading up my box. I said, I've got an appointment on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing that that was any appointment was available. And she's like, Oh, wow. That's soon. That would be great. So scheduled that one on Wednesday and jumped out there and just went just head first and uh, did mostly all mobile for, I would say, probably the first two years. Um, I had a, I have a shop here at my house. It's a 24 by 36 uh, pole barn and um, started uh, kind of swapping it over from basically being where I used to work on cars on the side as a mechanic and just keeping my junk in there to, okay, how can I make this a detail oriented type, type of shop? Um, so that's been a, uh, man, that was, so that was 2016 when all that went down. So, you know, I've been in business, what, that'd be six years now. Um, and, uh, ended up selling that van and kind of, and, um, ended up selling that GM van and ended up getting a trailer to pull because that that van had like 300,000 miles on it. I always had that scare of, okay, is this thing going to break down on me and then I'm not going to have a way to work. So I ended up swapping everything over to an enclosed trailer. And uh, that's how I worked for about those two years. And I'd say a year and a half into it, I decided, okay, I want to invest in myself some more. And ended up going to Shine Supply Training, um, flew to Ventura, California, and did Shine Supply Training. Um, and so those first two years, I didn't do any type of corrections, coatings, any polishings. I did help a guy, the guy I met here in Memphis, um, but I didn't do anything on my own. Uh, went out there, learned a bunch about business, learned a bunch about, uh, you know, paint, the paint correction, uh, wet sanding and different stuff. And came back and booked my first job and started getting my feet wet with that. And then for the last four years now, that's what I basically, you know, the the whole business has kind of swapped really within the last two years of going from mobile to I totally redid my whole shop, uh, put up a new ceiling, put up, put up a bunch of lights and stuff and swapped it over more to the paint correction and ceramic coating side of the business. Um, and then, uh, I ended up getting a transit here about six months ago, I guess it was late January, early February and got a transit. So now I run, um, the paint correction and, um, polishing and coating side inside the shop. And then basically just run base, not basic, but I guess you would call mid range level one style details out of the van on um, days that are either uh, a little bit slower, maybe it's a day in between a correction or coating, or sometimes every day, and I'll have something in the shop. 
So that's where I'm at about six years later now. That's really cool. And what happened pretty much is when you quit your job around that time of like going to, uh, you know, that training and like got you fired up it like kind of lined up perfectly in the sense of like scenarios, you know, the best case scenario kind of, I mean, it wasn't at the time a best case scenario. It's probably worst case scenario then, but you know, it, and, and now though, like long-term it's, it, it was so great that it actually did happen like that. And, and that risk that you took kind of like was a forced risk, but like, it's crazy what you will do to keep up with just survival mode, you know, like, you got bills to pay. Um, you know, if you're going to go full time at it and just jump all in, like you got to give it your all, try new things and just constantly be working towards it and like improving nonstop. So uh, it's kind of cool that like our, our body will tell us, you know, yo, you need to, you need to pick it up, dude. Cause, cause rent's due next month or something, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, like I said, my daughter was three months old. So I was a brand new dad. Um, thankfully my wife had a a good job, but she had basically was just basically coming off maternity leave. So she's really getting back and she owns her own business. So that was, it's not like we were getting paid maternity leave or anything like that. But so it was a really good thing that at least as I was stepping out of that job, I was going, she was at least going back into hers. So we went, you know, still stayed at one income, but it was one we could balance out. And at that time, she was making a whole lot more than I was making at that job anyways. And then, you know, I, even still to this day, I will fully agree, I am not a risk-taking kind of person. Um, it, it takes a lot for me. It takes a lot for me to make the order on products that I know I need. <laughs> Here I am six years later because I'm trying to hold on to like every penny. And so, you know, at that time, I had no confidence in myself. I remember when I was at uh, Shine Showdown, like, you know, I remember talking to uh, this guy. He owns uh, Spit Shine Details. I think he just does it part-time now. He's a firefighter. Um, but he's uh, out east. And I remember telling him, like, dude, my work ethic is in the toilet. Like, I hate my job. I hate where I'm at. And he's like, I was in the same place before I started my business. He's like, you will be surprised when you start your business, what you can do. He's like, you'll do things that you've never been able to do before. And that work ethic will come back because he said, number one, your, your, your family depends on it. Your, your livelihood depends on it, but you're going into something you actually like. You're, you're going to have that fire up being excited about your business again. And he's like, you will have that. And he's like, he's a, so when, so that, I guess you could say that made me already feel a whole lot better. And then Chase, you know, is a very like, you know, he's like, take the risk, you know? So I remember talking to him while I was there and, uh, you know, I come, you know, sort of from a, you know, old school type of family that's very much like, you know, it doesn't matter whether you enjoy your job or not. It just matters whether you're taking care of your family. You know, and there's a whole lot of truth to that. Um, but if you, I was learning at that point, I'm like, you know, at that time I was 25, 26, um, 24 or something like that. I'm like, you know, listen, do I really want to be in a job that I hate forever? Because a lot of guys I worked around are like, you know, you're young. If you got, you got the opportunity to step out and do this, take that risk. And so it was a forced risk. It was risk, just like you said, 
my, you know, when I came, I remember when I came home from insane pain, I was like, oh yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do this and I'll start ramping up the work on the side, but I'll still keep my job. It would have probably take, it took me a year just to get to a point to start a side job. So it would have probably taken me another year to even get a point where I might've stepped away from that job and started mine on the side, uh, uh, going full-time because, you know, there is no, when you're starting something like that, there is no perfect moment, you know, and having a three month year old child at home, that, that wasn't the perfect moment. But the fact that I was shoved out there, I grew so fast, you know, mentally, um, when it came to that, that it was, it was absolutely unreal. So it was, it was for the best without a doubt. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Cause it's like, I was kind of that same way to where, um, I got out of the Navy and was like, man, I, I, I don't know anything else. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to do anything else. I don't know what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew how to detail and I kind of detailed through, you know, in high school detailed in the Navy kind of part-time, but that, that jumping off that diving board and just going all in, it's like, it's so risky. It is, but it's like, it's the best thing long-term like, cause what happens is you, you thrive off those little wins. So like you, you've been in a spot to where you, you really don't have clients coming in. You really aren't making it. I pro- you and I probably were not making a lot of money when you first start it. So it's like, you know, you're just, you're, you're just sinking to the bottom, but then you start to get these little wins. You get somebody that calls you and you're like, maybe something you did online or on social media starts to work or somebody referred you. And then like, you start getting calls coming in and you start getting like, you start getting more details and, and then you start making more and those little wins just makes you want to do that much more next year. And like, and then that's just kind of how it grows. Like you, you, that's like that entrepreneurial mindset, I guess, of like, you feed off of those, that growth and like your dream is coming true. Like you see it starting to work and it's, it's like the most satisfying thing though. Yeah. And you, you have to take those wins. I I know it's like you, uh, for me, it's like, you feel like sometimes those wins, like if you accept those or if you're proud of them, that it's like, Oh, well, I'm not being humble about something. You know, you kind of have that feeling. It's like, no, you know, it, there's a difference between, you know, uh, being proud of something you do and bragging or being rude or something like that. When you get those wins, like be happy about it. Let it put those wins in your sales, like celebrate it, go out to dinner with your wife, like enjoy those times because guess what? Like when the bad times come, you don't have it. It's going to mess with you mentally. It's going to take the wind out of your sales. You don't get that choice. It just does. When you get that bad review or that customer tells you, you know, well, I just wasn't happy with this or I feel like you missed this. It's like you don't get that choice to be well, unhappy or happy about it. It's going to knock the wind out of you. Mm-hmm. So you get those times. If you land that first big job or you you book this or you book that, man, be excited about it. You know, when you have those good weeks and you hit those goals, like be excited about it and be happy about it. And, you know, find people that, you know, aren't uh, bothered by that, that you can talk to and you can, uh, you know, tell them about and be excited about and to hear that back from them. Because when you're kind of like learning together and having those bad times together and then winning together, it's like it will totally encourage you in your business. And that will be what helps keep you afloat. Because when you feel like you're by yourself, you know, it's that's when times will get really hard. Because you just feel like, you know, you'll, you'll feel down and you'll just feel like 
man, I'm the only person going through this. And with business owners like us, we've all been through it. Mm-hmm. My dad used to tell me growing up, there's not a tree you can climb that I haven't scraped bark off of. And it's <laughs> so true. It's, it's like that in business. Like there's not an instance you're going through that some other business owner that's in this industry has not gone through. So like take take the wins and and actually enjoy them. 100% man. And it's like each, you know, you have small wins in the beginning, but like you, then you're always going to have a point to where it it's downhill, but I mean, it, it goes up, it gets better. Like, but every stage of the wins, like you, you get bigger, you, you now got more leads coming in, you, you're making more money. It comes with its own losses, like its own, um, you know, I don't even know what the other word of win would be in the sense of like, it comes with its hiccups, I guess, like the bad reviews coming in, more people you reach, the more potential of bad reviews, you know, so it comes with these headaches and these, um, these uh, just hiccups, I guess, but like, you, you, you almost have to be grateful of like, you know, at least like two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, like, I wouldn't even be in the spot to um, know how to handle this because I didn't have leads. I didn't have, you know, so it's like, you, you can almost look at it as like, Hey, this is where I'm at now. Um, you know, I didn't have those struggles back then, you know, because I wasn't busy, you know, it wasn't an actual business at that point. So yeah. you almost got to look at it as like grateful of being there. Um, Cause it, it does like it, you know, once you start, you, maybe you get to a point to where you have employees and whatnot, and then it's like a whole nother battle or, um, you know, bigger shop, more overhead, whatever the case is, it just comes with its own stress levels. But, and you're right, man, it's, it is an industry to where like plenty of people out here to help and, and talk to. Um, but when you're working on a car solo and like, you know, even when you have guys in the same shop as you, you're still detailing that car by yourself. You're still polishing it by yourself. It is kind of a lonely industry as well. So like, you don't have anyone to sit there and relate with when it comes to, you know, man, how do I deal with this bad review? Like, like, cause you know, you, you care so highly of your business. Like when, when those yeah. things come in, it's like, it hits you in the heart, man. Like, you know, so if you don't have anybody to relate with, it's like, when they come in, it's like, man, the, the stress goes through the roof. Yeah. Without a doubt. And it's, it's learning how to deal with those situations and cope. It, <laughs> You know, some of it you can learn, and some of it is you just learning yourself and how you deal with it. I know some people that are just, you know, just so hard-headed, and they can get a bad review, they can get a bad customer, and they just, whatever, just slides right off the, you know, rolls right off the back, don't mind at all. You know, someone like me who I will fully admit I can carry my feelings on my shoulders, like I get that, you know, they could just say, you know... my, my gut always feels like it's tight whenever I'm returning a car to a customer because it's like you always feel like, all right, you know, especially when you do this stuff day in and day out, it can become such a rhythm that you just forget to do something like look up at the, uh, the uh, headliner, you know, pull down the mirrors. You know, it can be something as so simple as that. And customers, you know, they won't tell you, oh, by the way, yesterday I had my uh, sun visor down and I decided to shake up my Coke and blow it open and some of it went up there and then, you know, you miss that, you know. And so it's learning in those situations, like how you deal with that, knowing, for me, knowing this isn't personal. They're they're paying for a service. They, they don't know you. They don't know what you're willing and not willing to do that, you know, 
if anything, customers typically from until you, um, how would you say, uh, build that relationship with them, they're more on the not trusting side. And so, whereas like I have customers that I've been working with for two or three years now, they could like drop off their car and I could, could uh, not do two or three things and they wouldn't think anything about it. They go, oh, Justin, by the way, I found this, you know, um, whereas, you know, somebody that's new, they think, oh, well, then you, you may just be lazy or, you know, maybe they've had a bad experience with a detailer before. Um, so it's learning, okay, you know, for me, don't take it personal and do your best to deal with the situation. Sometimes the customer is absolutely in the wrong and you have to be willing to say, this wasn't in, this wasn't in this package, you know, or when, when we talked on the phone, uh, you know, I understood that the car was going to be one way and I get here and find out that you transport four dogs a week in this car and we did not have this time allotted for this dog hair, different like that. Um, and sometimes it's, uh, so sometimes it can be something like that. And sometimes it can be just, you're having a bad day. And you just forgot to lift the third row seats up and vacuum up under there, you know. So when it happens, you know, don't take it personal. Fix it for the customer. Do your absolute best. And you just kind of have to let the rest of it go. If they're still upset and they don't use you again, keep on going, you know. And if they, but most of the time, if you're polite to someone and you take care of the situation, they're going to just be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's no problem at all. And they're going to call you again because you did what it, what it took to make it right. And that's, that's what they really care for. Sometimes some of your best customers will come from when, you, when something didn't go necessarily 100% and you made it right because now you've earned that trust. Whereas a customer that you've done something right for them every time, I, I had a customer like that. I'd worked with, uh, did a correction coding on their car. Uh, kept their vehicle maintained every month for six, seven, eight months, something like that. And uh, one time we had an issue where after we left, uh, they were doing some uh, bulldozing next door and it just put dust all over the vehicle. And I didn't realize it until I actually I had left or anything. And he called me and just went absolutely off on me about the situation. And I said, I would be happy to, you know, make this right for you. Maybe we can do a, we can do a wash, you know, do a free wash or I'll, I'll give you a discount on your wash. Even though I didn't feel like it was my fault. He was a good customer. I want to take care of you. And um, I, call, I called back for his next maintenance detail. And he still had an attitude about the situation before. And I said, you know what? I think this is a good time to uh, stop where we're at on our services um, if you'd like the number to someone else, I would be happy to set you up with another detailer, but I don't think this is going to be a good relationship anymore. And you just have to be willing to walk away of those. And it hurts and it sucks and it hurt my pride for two or three weeks. But, you know, once you finally get through it and you've learned how to deal with those situations, you'll, you'll come across a lot stronger and a lot more confident in yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, for one, it's really hard in the beginning too, because your reviews are so valuable when you're competing with 
your competitors having a five-star multiple reviews, you take those things and you almost do have to kind of be, I'm not going to say a complete pushover in the beginning, but you almost do have to have a lot more leeway on how much those reviews matter. Your reputation is so important in the early stages, but what's cool is once you start to transition into um, the next stage of your business, like you're now consistently being busy, you now respect yourself a lot more, like you're more confident in your work. Now you can start to play the game of like, I could take or leave these, you know, like I could take some clients, leave them. I'm at the stage of, I really respect myself. I've I've had enough clients under my belt now to say, you know, I know which ones I want to work with, do business with. And um, it's just cool that like, it's, it doesn't suck that bad, as bad as it does in the beginning, you get to a point to where you get better at things and how to, no, like I'm the same way, man. My stomach gets in a knot every time. Like it, that part doesn't go away. Like every client, I don't know what their expectations are. So like I've dealt with really bad clients. I've dealt with really picky clients. I don't know what their expectation is going to be once I'm dropping off or picking up or, you know, just showing them the car over. Like they could be the easiest client in the world, but I don't know that I'm, I'm dealing with them. Like they are the pickiest client. And that's how I kind of get that nervous feeling. But I do it. I do. I did not in the beginning, but I did get better like later on year two, year three of how to deal with people who you start to get those red flags of like, uh, I really don't care if they come back anyway. So mm-hmm. how can I cut this off professionally? And and that's what it's all about is, is how can you do it in a way that's, that is professional and is, um, you know, is, it lets them go, but you do it in a professional way. You are a business and, and that's kind of how you run it. Like, And that's, man, that's, that's one of the biggest struggles in our society nowadays anyways, is just communication. I mean, communication is just so key. And I've had customers that, you know, it, they'll communicate if, if they didn't, you know, if they, you will a lot of times, not get the communication when everything goes right. You'll get the communication when something goes wrong. You know, that's kind of how it feels a lot of the time, but it's through that communication, how that person and that customer communicates to you is how you'll decide how you want to deal with that. Like you said, from the beginning, you'll kind of basically fix almost everything. (laughs) But I had a, I had a a customer kind of the same uh, way, uh, did his first mobile detail um, we did his vehicle, first vehicle. It looked great. The second vehicle uh, was supposed to be there at a second at a certain time. Um, left us waiting on it for about 30 minutes before it actually showed up. Um, so you know, it was eating in our time. Um, we got we got kind of pushed uh, pushed light on it. And there was one area on the back of the seat that he wanted to he wanted to have clean. Didn't say anything. We were kind of rushing. It was very basic detail on the interior, and we didn't do it. So if he would have messaged me, you know, with what I would consider a respectful message when he came back, and I always stay out there and kind of show my customers the vehicle before I leave. I'm like, you know, if you see anything that you're not 100% with, let me know. Let me go ahead and knock that out for you. Nothing got said. Well, then I got a text message. I guess it was the next morning. And the whole text message was, you know, kind of questionable. And then the, the last one, the last line was, I expect you to do better next time. No, no, like that, that was at that point, when you say something like that, 
where I'm at in my business right now, it's like, I'm, I'm already realizing, number one, I know how those cars looked when we left and they looked really good. And, um, you know, I had a helper with me that day and, you know, we kind of actually went over and beyond on a few small things. And um, so I know that they were up to what I would expect it out of those cars. And so the fact that, you know, when you get that, I expect ne better next time, that was that key of when I hit it and when I heard it, that's like, this is going to be a situation that in the future, it's not going to go like I would want to. Uh, this is a customer that I'm going to have to deal with this very often, um, especially if they're already not being, um, you know, uh, you know, valuable. They're not seeing your time as very valuable by showing up late and different stuff like that. Um, and then just saying the stuff that you don't feel like very, is very, you know, um, uh, respectful when they text you. It's you'll start learning those little keywords and those little ways that customers are talking to you that you're like, okay, this is the time it's, it's move on um, from this customer, you know, and, and let them find someone else. Because if you fix the situation or give them a discount or something, it's never going to be enough. It will happen again and it will happen again. And at that point, you're, you're killing your bottom line. You're killing your profit. You're killing your time. And that's not why we're in. We're in this business to make a profit and make the best use of our time. And if a certain customer isn't going to be that for you, then it's time to move on and find that customer that is going to respect your work and respect your time and be very, you know, just as cordial as you are with them. Mm -hmm. my, my goal is to always like imagine you had enough clients and it, like obviously in the beginning stages you don't and you're building up that client list but imagine you had a list of clients that would book your entire year like every work day of your year so you could do two details per day imagine every single one of those are clients that you've done in the past before and are just ideal to work for or like do work for and work with like your day's a breeze like being a being self-employed is is the best at that point. And I think that should be everybody's goal is to say, Hey, I'm going to build up this list. I'm going to, I'm going to discard the ones that I don't want, but I'm going to keep the ones on this list of ones that are more than likely to return great to deal with a plate, like a pleasure to deal with. They don't mind the price point that I'm at. They respect my time and what I charge and how I run my business, the systems that I have in place. Like those people, if you could build up a, and it's not that hard, obviously it takes time, but like you build up a list of returning people and eventually you'll just work for the same people that you know that you selected um, and that you want to do business with. And what you were doing is you're just discarding, Hey, that's a red flag. We're not going to, that's not going to be fun in the future. That's going to be a day that I really just don't enjoy being self-employed. And that's not why you started it. Like you didn't start, you know, your business to hate life like you would a nine to five, you know, you did it so that you could enjoy it and, and, and prosper from it and, and be happy. Um, so no, I'm a hundred percent with that, man. Like getting rid of, I've had to do it with a few people and like it, it, it some, some weeks, some months, it'd be like every other week I would deal with one. And then, you know, a couple months in a row, just be, you know, fine and fine and dandy. Well, and there's so many times what you will realize too is maybe some of those customers uh, have done that too. Maybe they have a, they could have a little sour taste in their mouth for myself or my business. It's very possible. But I know I dealt with the problem cordially. They said, okay. 
and they were, we went our separate ways. Whereas if you keep trying to push it of, I got to keep every customer, I've got to take every customer, eventually you're not going to be make it, be able to make it right. And all those times that they felt like you didn't do what they wanted, it's building up, it's building up inside of them. And eventually it's, they're going to be tired of maybe, you know, even though you're doing the right thing, there's going to be tired of feeling like you're not doing everything they want. You're going to be tired of communicating with them and trying to meet their needs. And eventually I feel like it's going to blow up into something that you are going to actually get a bad review. Usually if you uh, both, uh, all of those customers that I've had to, you know, say no to basically, I don't have any bad reviews. Uh, they've never said anything bad about me or my business. We just went our separate ways. But if that keeps building and building and building and that aggravation comes in, then eventually there could be that miscommunication because you're upset or they're upset. And then it is going to result into now they're telling everyone and their friends, don't use that. They're going out of their way to talk about bad about you and your business. It, you're you're really stopping an issue before it could get even worse than you're already seeing it could be. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. I actually never thought about it that way of like in the beginning and you probably had these clients too, that like you did at the very early, they did return. You built a relationship. It was just the wrong relationship because when you do start to pivot, it's like, man, now how do I transition away from these people? You know, yeah. there were clients that we did in the early stages. Like I'm talking the cheap, cheap days. Like when I first started, you don't know your pricing structure. You don't know really how to do anything. <laughs> you're like, Oh, 50 bucks. I'll be over there tomorrow. You know, it's, yes. it's like that in the early stages. And he's like, Oh man, I'll keep you busy. Like I, I got all kinds of friends. And like you say yes to every red flag in the early, early stages. And it, it does get to a point to where what you did is you built a relationship, just the wrong, unhealthy business relationship. Because when it, now, when they do want to cut ties or you want to cut ties, now that relationship is built. Now they're just ultra salty because they know you at a level that, you know, they shouldn't know you, I guess, like, cause you should have never really got it to that point, but it is. And you've, you've done it a few times and now they're just going to spread the, the word bad because really those people that you're targeting early on is like the clients that a, a high ticket price would steer away essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're taking on it, the worst of all, the, 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 the customer, whether they're mean, not mean, happy, sad, it doesn't matter. It's, it's money in the door, and that's what it is. And yeah, I would say most of those customers, at least for me, I would say most of them kind of faded themselves out um, as I built the business. Um, you know, typically with people like that, they're going to, if they're really cheap, they're not always going to be the most loyal because they're looking for the cheapest price. So as soon as the next guy comes along that happens to be a friend with them or a friend of a friend, they're usually going to move on to that next client. Um, so for most of the part, I would say most of them did like that. I have a few car customers. Uh, I have one I've dealt with for, man, right at three years now. And she's a, a, a lady of mine, a really good customer. I still do hers at, she's about the only one I have left. That I still do hers at the original price. Mm -hmm. uh, I did back then when I'd go and do hers. I'm like, I'm not making a dollar. <laughs> you know, 
know, but I, I told her I would, t- it, a lot of it's because I did that. It was one of my first correction coatings I did. I told her, you know, I would take care of her while, you know, to maintain her vehicle because she was someone who couldn't do it herself. So it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it's part of that, but it's also really cool going back and seeing one of the first cars I ever did. It's still beating. It's still in really good shape because I get to take care of it. So it's one of those that's like, I still do it. And, but I was literally thinking when I left her house the other day, I'm like, eventually I'm going to have to have that talk with her about, listen, I've got to raise your price on this monthly. You know, things have changed in the last three years, and I think she will be absolutely fine with it. But mm-hmm. it's, it's to have that conversation uh, sometimes. But most of the other customers, I would say, uh, I would say moved on. And, you know, that. so, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's half of our business when you're dealing with customers is, you know, watching for those red flags and trying to stop issues before they happen. Um, I, I think of, uh, um, I've had a customer, I had done a vehicle for once before, and he had a, I think it's like a, it's a 2000s model Silverado and he wanted a show truck, beautiful truck. We wanted all the side moldings pulled off the side. It was kind of the same thing with this situation. He come in there. I knew what he wanted. I knew he was more picky. He loved this truck. This was me two and a half, three years in the business. I had pulled the moldings off my own vehicle once before and knew how bad the paint was underneath. And I told him, I said, listen, I can do this. I've done it before. I don't trust myself to do this. I think we should set you up with someone else who can do a much better job um, with you on this vehicle, make sure you're happy and make sure it's done right. And he's like, okay. He's like, I really want you to do it. I said, I understand, but I just, I won't do it. I just, I know my limits and sent him to the other guy, Josh, uh, that's a detailer here in Memphis. And Josh took care of that truck and did a awesome job. And, uh, he goes to Josh every time now, but it goes back to that whole seeing an issue before it starts and fixing it. Difference is this guy still talks to me. He still comments on all my stuff, uh, likes all my stuff. Like he's still a, even though he uses the other guy now, he still supports my business. He still, you know, does things like that. If he sees me at a car show, he always comes up and says hello, even though I'm not his detailer anymore. Um, So we have a great relationship just from seeing an issue before I rose compared to, again, wanting the job trying to go into something, even though that'd be a little bit different, more trying to tackle something I wasn't comfortable with, but that's a super important part of the business. But I could have tried to do that for the customer, maybe messed up his paint, maybe messed up his truck. I would have done the job, but now this guy's upset. He doesn't trust me. He's telling his friends and other guys at the car show, well, don't use that guy. He really messed up my vehicle, you know? So even though I didn't get to keep the customer because of that, he's happy. He still likes me. He still likes my business. Like that's how you're going to save face and keep moving forward. So it's the same way with those customers that may not be right for your business for another issue. It's finding a way to, to help them in another way with another business or whatever before things could turn bad. And that's how you're going to, in a lot of ways, keep bad reviews from from coming on. 
Mm -hmm. And the thing about those sod moldings too, is um, there's a lot of variables and it's not even just like whether or not, cause like oftentimes they will need wet sanding from the etching that's underneath. But like, sometimes it's so far bad that it's not even repairable. Like they'll etch. So, and especially on like an early 2000s Chevrolet, like, you know, if they're not treated right, like that's a lot of etching. And I actually did one, I did a Ram. We did a bunch of like Ram and like, two-year-old uh, diesel trucks. We had a lot that would come through and they referred a bunch of business to us. But one guy came in and he wanted his, his uh, like debadged all the way around the truck. And I'm like, okay, cool. I knew it had variables, but like, I didn't know to what extent, like I, I knew that I could repair almost anything that was under there, um, whether it be wet sanding and buffing it out. But this one, someone had repainted the doors and they had cleared over top of the emblem. So you had like, just picture like, the factory paint under the emblems and then they re-cleared on top of them it was a disaster nowhere near repairable whatsoever and uh but they're already off and it's like it went through that communication of saying hey you know i did warn you up front that whatever is under here it's obviously not our fault we remove them the safest way we possibly can but what's under there is is past us like if it's something that's unrepairable um you know that's past us and and he was completely cool with it but it all came down to you know, how we, um, set expectations up front, how we communicate it through. If he would have threw me a red flag, it would have been like, Nope, not doing this. You know, that's not one that I really want to touch because, um, this could be worst case scenario. And now I have worst case scenario client. Um, but like you said, it's all how you communicate it. And like you referring him to that person and saying, Hey, this isn't a job that I really want to take on. Like, I'll send you to a guy that I know will take care of you is, is just as trustworthy, just as professional. Um, that's, that to me is like, that is a guy that probably still would refer people to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think so. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. So what's, um, what is something say, we'll end it off with this. Uh, what is something that you would give, um, say it's a new guy or a guy that just really needs some motivation right now when it comes to maybe they're stuck in the mud and, and don't know how to get out of it. What's something that you can give them? Oh man. Um, you know, it's so cliche, cliche to say push. Um, but man, that's, that's what it comes down to so many times with this with our businesses and everything else in so many ways. Um, so push forward, but, you know, also don't be, don't be afraid to step back and, and take a look at what's going on and try to make a plan to tackle that issue. Uh, you know, a lot of times I feel like where issues can come with our business when we're stuck in the mud is that we're just really trying to take on too many things at once. You know, we look at nobody told me when I started this, not only am I going to be a detailer, I've now got to be a tax guy. I've got to be the finance guy. I've got to be the guy who answers the phone. I've got to be a social media guy and not just social media on one platform, but about three or four different platforms. You know, uh, it, it can get really overwhelming. So if you're stuck in the mud, step back, look at where you're struggling at and find ways, to, don't try to fix everything maybe at once, try to find your weakest area and, and start working for, towards fixing that and then move on to your next one and then move on to your next one. And realize that when you get it all right, 
it's all going to get funky again, because as you do that, you're growing, you're growing mentally, you're growing in your business. And so you're going to have to absolutely, it's, it's a never ending process. It's a never ending change. So, you know, finding, getting in with groups like the detail spot, you know, community, getting in with things like that, finding people who have been ahead of you and kind of already blazed that trail, that's going to be a huge benefit to you. Um, but also realizing that in different areas, you're going to have to do different things, you know, you know, a, a way somebody runs their 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 business in Atlanta is not going to be the way that you run your business in Memphis, and that's not going to be the way you run your business in Little Rock or Los Angeles or any of these cities. It's going to change. You're going to have to look at what's going on, where your weaknesses are, and and start knocking them out by one by one. It may take bringing in somebody. For me, it, it's especially started with financing and taxes. Uh, it, it took me a year and a half to realize I need a CPA to take care of a lot of this stuff. Um, I do well with the booking, so I make sure I take care of uh, all of my booking. Um, uh, as my business has grown, I've decided, okay, I'm going to start hiring and working with someone to help me with my content in the shop for Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Uh, but for the time being, I've been doing it myself. Um, so, yeah, you know, just just. When when you have when you're stuck in the mud, don't get down. Find encouragement. Find other people that can help you and push you forward, and um, make a plan and attack, and just keep going at it. Yeah, I love that. That's that's the best advice personally. Like it's so relatable too, because what you do is you when you're stuck like that, man. It's like you're running on a treadmill, and you're like, man, either you're too busy, you're just working hard, and you're just hating life because your prices may not be there early on, or maybe it's like, or you don't have any calls coming in at all. Maybe no matter what your price point, and that could be something regarding like your brand, or you know where where you're putting your focus in online, or how you're trying to get clients, but you really don't know if you're just doing the same thing over and over and you're not trying new things and that's all coming from just stepping back, looking at your business, kind of evaluating it and then kind of coming at it with like, Hey, I need to put my time here, put my time here. And it is a lot harder at first, like in the beginning, one year, two year, or maybe just in the, you could be in year five and not figure it out how to consistently get, you know, clients coming in or to make a good income. Um, and I think it's all about, hey, what can I try? What areas can I do? What And it does take that grind up front. Like you're going to have to do everything at first. Like you have to learn everything unless you just have a ton of money at first. Like, and I don't think a lot of people do in this industry when it comes to putting a ton of capital into it. Um, I didn't personally. So you have to learn everything and how to, you know, do it all essentially, wear every hat. Uh, but that should kind of be our motivation. It's like, hey, what do I hate doing the most in my business? Now let's work hard enough to where I can consistently make enough to afford to, you know, hire somebody for that, you know, um, or if you don't know how to do it, maybe hire someone at that point. But it should be our motivation to get to that point of, hey, it's going to get easier. I can start taking this payload off of me, you know, so my, now my goal is in one year work hard enough so that I can put somebody in my, if, if you hate doing content or you're not good at it, put somebody in that position. Or if you hate doing, you know, you're not good at it, like your finances, hiring someone for that part. Um, so it does get easier once you get to a certain level and it, it, that part of it gets easier and easier, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it does. 
Heck yeah, man. Well, uh, Justin, it was good having you on, bro. How can uh, people find you and uh, like give him, give them your socials. If you want somebody to, um, you know, if wherever they can find you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, is wise guys detailing. And then um, I believe YouTube is wise guys detailing as well. Um, so I don't really have a whole lot on YouTube. So that kind of comes to that whole, uh, I've been hiring somebody to help me start putting out, uh, videos. Um, I would definitely say where, where my business is right now, it's more, uh, as far as the, the video point is more, it's very based towards customers, um, you know, helping them find, you know, tutorial, different stuff, how to different stuff, but my Facebook and my Facebook and Instagram are linked. Instagram's where I do most of my stuff. I kind of send everything out from there. Um, so I actually try to put motivational stuff on Instagram and, and different things. So um, yeah, you can check me out on there. And if you have any questions, always feel free to hit up the DMs and ask me any questions or whatever. I'm, I'm always happy to kind of help out and, and man, learn from other people too. So Sweet. And are those... Uh... Um, are those shirts and those products ever going to be like available to detailers out there? Yeah, I would love to. Um, the t-shirts, uh, I've got three different styles right now. So yeah, that sick. I've got the hot rod version on, and then I've got a seventies and an eighties, uh, version. So both of those you can, uh, order through, uh, me through Instagram, um, and the detailing products I am working on, um, Learning how to do shipping. So yeah, that's a whole nother uh, a ball game. So, but it sounds like uh, you'll be able to kind of help me in that area. So that'll be uh, good to kind of push forward with some different ideas with that. So yeah, I'll have those uh, available as well. Awesome, man. Awesome. I do love the shirts, by the way. That is it for this episode of the Detail Spot Podcast. I had a lot of fun talking with Justin and just relating on so many different levels when it comes to, you know, owning a detailing business altogether. And uh, I hope you guys got something from it as well. And again, if you haven't already, if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it greatly helps the channel grow. Um, and if you're getting something from this channel, and you're enjoying them, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, it's going to help us reach other detailers so that they can get something from it as well. And uh, again, I can't thank all of you enough for tuning in every week and listening to you know the episodes that get released. So I appreciate all of you. And as always, shoot me a message on social media if you ever have any questions, want to run an idea about somebody, uh, or just want to connect. Um, I, I reply to all of my DMs, and uh, I'll make sure to get back to you. And also, if you ever have a topic you would like discussed on a future podcast episode definitely let me know that as well and i'll make sure it gets mentioned in one and i'll make sure it gets talked about more in depth uh, so as always i appreciate you and uh, i'll catch you on the next episode of the detail spot podcast